All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Timeout Talk. We're your host, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And I'm finally back in college, so we're all settled back in. And while I was in the midst of my move-in and everything, an absolute bomb went off in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell finally got traded. Not to New York, though. Donovan Mitchell is headed to Cleveland uh, as there was a huge trade that happened. So the deal basically is that Donovan Mitchell is going to Cleveland for three picks, two pick swaps, Colin Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, Oche Abdi. Agbaji. I, I think the G is silent. I looked this up, actually. Abaji, then? Abaji, yeah, I think so. All right, well, whatever. You know him. He is the guy from uh, Kansas. Yeah. Um, and that's the package, pretty much. So, Hunter, what was your first impression from seeing this trade and how are you feeling about this deal right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a win-win, honestly, because if you're the Cavaliers with this roster, you're you're thinking we're going to be a locked top five seed. If you're – if you you know, you are on this team. You're like, hell, maybe we'll be top three seed. You know, no, we're not even going to limit ourselves. We can be the one seed. You know, we can do this. We're a team of four all-stars and, you know, like all-star caliber guys. Um, so we we can make it happen. That That's the mindset I'd take if I were a Cavalier. And if you are the, the management of the Cavaliers, you're going to say, these are all young, young, talented players and they're only going to grow. And as they get better together, these three picks and two pick swaps, you know, maybe this is going to be the 26th, the, the 24th, 21st pick, whatever it is. Those aren't going to be super valuable assets to your team. And actually, I'd just like to take a moment to talk about how successful the Cavs were in rebuilding their team from LeBron James leaving as a free agent in 2018. Yeah. They, they have done a perfect successful rebuild in a small market. And I think other small markets need to look to them. I mean, like this was just brilliant. I mean, think of how they did this. They first, when LeBron leaves, they draft Colin Sexton. They recognize that Colin Sexton isn't going to work alone. They draft Darius Garland, which you know, money pick. Um, they they trade for Jarrett Allen uh, and Karis Levert, and they trade away basically nothing. Um, then they end up drafting um, Isaac Okoro, and now obviously. Um, Evan Mobley. That's just beautiful. And then they that. trade for Donovan Mitchell. And don't forget about them getting Karis Levert. Yeah, I said I said oh, uh, uh, Karis Levert, Karis Levert, and um, I also said Jared Allen. Yeah. So uh, I said both I mean, of them. So this this was a very very strategic and perfect rebuild. And they're at the point where they don't care about those picks anymore because they've gotten their guys. That I mean, they they got Darius Garland out of the draft. They got Evan Mobley. And I think if you're the Cavs, you're really hoping Evan Mobley takes that jump to become the superstar on this team because I think, along with Donovan Mitchell, he is the guy who can be that. And I think the other guys like Jared Allen and Darius Garland have that capability, but I don't think they're the superstar talents that Evan Mobley and Donovan Mitchell have the potential to be as much. Interesting. So you think this team is going to be Mitchell number one, Mobley number two? Well, I think if Mobley takes a step up, which he can – because it's it's just a it's hard to say because Darius Garland was very clearly number one last year, and he d- deserved to be. So does he want to? You know, is he a team player in the sense that he recognizes Mitchell as a better player than him? So he's at least two. But does he even take a, another step down to be the three, if um, Mobley's able to take that step up? But I, I think you might. I mean, I honestly disagree with you. I think that. 
Darius Garland is going to make another jump this year. We've seen Darius Garland get better year after year after year ever since. I agree. And I think that, you know, he went from being looking like kind of a bust almost in his first year. Everyone had doubts about him to second year. You know, he's playing alongside Colin Sexton. Um, People are like, wow, this guy's actually legit. Like he can really play. And then third year, he becomes an all-star. You know, he's looking like one of the brightest, best young point guards in the NBA. And so I don't think that there's anything telling that he's not going to just take another jump. In, oh, know, I believe he will take another jump. But the question is, there's only so much ball. I think both of them are, both Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are, or I'd say Donovan Mitchell is less of a facilitator. Darius Garland's a very good facilitator. And that's one of his focuses. Um, but Donovan Mitchell isn't so much for that. And I think Donovan Mitchell is also going to want to take up the ball sometimes and play his game. Um, who do you think is going to be making more sacrifices between those two guys? Well, I think they're going to have to learn how to play together. I don't – obviously, like, I, I think that this is going to work. I think that Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, their games complement each other or they can complement each other very nicely. But as you said, yeah, Mitchell and Darius Garland are both – players who like to have the ball in their hands. And so it's going to be an adjustment period where both of them are going to have to learn how to make sacrifices and learn how to play off ball. And actually one thing that I'm hoping from this that people might not be thinking about is Donovan Mitchell's defense. I think that if Donovan Mitchell is allowed to play off ball and doesn't have to facilitate the entire offense, I'm hoping that that allows him to, you know, be more present and active on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's something that JB Biggerstaff is really going to focus on because one thing about this Cavs team from last year was that their defense was pretty good, you know, with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro, guys like that. This, the, the, the Cavs defense was one of the, the pillars of that team that made them so successful before obviously all the injuries really derailed that train. But I think that if Mitchell's able to up his defensive game, as a result of being able to play more off ball, then I think this Cavs roster is going to be in good shape. I, I agree that um, Donovan Mitchell doesn't need to be a great defender, but what he does need to be able to do is just keep a guy in front of him. And he does have the fallback options in Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. So it's nice to have that. But the, the one thing I think people might knock on this team, at least from a face value, is Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell are both 6'1", undersized you know, guards who aren't known for defense. But as long as they can just stay in front of their man, they contest their shots, not asking you to be perfect, but since you have less of a load on offense, just take that de- for defensive responsibility. And I was also going to make another point, which we kind of, I skipped over a little bit, but I think the one of the, on this team, the all-star who's going to be making the most sacrifices is Jared Allen. Uh, yeah. How do you, how do you feel about that? I think so too. I think I, I like the way Jared Allen was playing last year, but I do think it was sort of like he was in the perfect situation, you know, like playing alongside Darius Garland, this young team, he had a lot of room to operate. And I think that now that Mobley's going to be coming to his own a little bit more, and I think that everyone sort of recognizes Mobley has a higher ceiling and will be like the number one big guy on this team. Jared Allen is just going to be the number two um, on that side, on the, in the front court. I think that he, Mobley is going to be taking some of Jared Allen's plays. He's going to be getting some of those looks that, that Jared might've been getting last year. So I would totally agree with that, but I think that you can't understate how, how invaluable uh, Allen and Mobley are as like a one and two 
and holding mm. down the paint. That's just a duo, not not even one of them above the other, but just together. Yeah, sorry, more as like a 1A, 1B is what I meant to say. And so I think that, you know, in terms of anchoring the, the paint, they're invaluable at doing that. And I think that, you know, those like twin towers, we've seen this uh, in NBA history, you know, I think of guys like um, Duncan, or not Duncan Robinson, uh, David Robinson. David Robinson, you know? yeah. Or, uh, you know, Hakeem and... Um, Ralph Sampson, you know, guys like that, the twin towers are really a, a surefire strategy to building a successful team. That's what we saw last year. And I expect that to continue this year. So even if Jared Allen takes a step back, maybe in terms of his offensive output, I still expect him to be a huge part of this team on the defensive end of the ball. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we could see him in contention. Maybe for like this might be a big step up for a guy like him. Contention for defensive player of the year not saying that he will be defensive player of the year but i think he has 100 the capability to be in those conversations i think that's not even that big of a stretch i think that if any like i think the Cavs, in my opinion i'm very big on this Cavs team as of right now i think they're going to be a top four maybe even top three seed in the east um I, i'm not going that far yet i need to see some action first but okay I, sure but do you I, think this is this i think this is a surefire playoff team so i think they're a top six seed i'll give them yeah. that well, I mean, okay, we'll talk um, about our expectations in a sec. I just want to say, like, I think they're going to be a very successful team, and I think that if you're one of the, the best, if not the best defensive player on a top team, especially one of the top defenses, I think you're always going to be in that conversation. Yeah, agreed. Um, I just want to take a quick, like, overview of the entire roster, and I just want you to tell me, like, do you, if you think there's any weak points that we haven't really talked about? Sure. So. Uh, this is we're going to assume the starting lineup is Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Okoro, uh, Jarrett Allen, and Evan Mobley. Then off the bench, you probably have your six minutes, Karis Levert. Then you have Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio, and Seti Osman. And I think that's probably your nine man rotation. For sure. Yeah. And then obviously in the regular season, you can cut deep. You can get guys like Dean Wade, maybe Dylan Windler, like guys to fill up some minutes. But Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that is definitely going to be the roster that they're going to roll out with for the most part in the roster we would see in the playoffs. I I love this roster. I mean, I think this is one of the best starting fives in the NBA. They have all the bases covered. They have shooting. This is an incredibly long defensive team. This is going to cause a lot of problems for teams because one guy we've really neglected to mention who, you know, we should give him his flowers is Isaac Okoro. This guy is like the prototypical three and D guy you want on your team. He without the, have, without the three, he's a 35% shooter. I he, mean, he, he, he definitely needs to grow a lot on offense for it to be successful in that okay, sense. Sure. I, I'll give you that. But I think that, you know, between year one and year two, I think he did make a jump. And I think, I think I expect his three point shot to get a little bit better as well. And the, the thing with Isaac is that, you know, he's a guy who, obviously does not have to do that much, but he still finds ways to be productive. Even if he's not a great shooter, you know, he'll find like those cuts. He'll, he'll, he'll make those the right screens. He'll do the little things on offense that help facilitate your offense. And I think you have enough offensive firepower with Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, etc., that you don't even need him to be that much of an offensive threat. And the beauty about this Cavs roster and why I'm so big about them is you have an incredible six man in Karis LeVert. So tell me a little bit about how like you think that Karis LeVert is going to fare as a six man and, and just what you make of this Cavs bench as a whole. Yeah. Well, we don't know for sure that Okoro is going to start over Karis LeVert. We'll sure, see. We'll see what happens. Assuming yeah. he is the six man. Um, 
I, I'm very high on Karis Liver. I think he is like com- comparable to Jordan Clarkson and like his sixth man of the year, like that kind of player, just a guy who's going to be absolutely lights out and just provide a ton of shot creation for himself um, and spacing on the floor. Um, he's he can come in for either Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, or Isaac Okoro. So he can play the one, two, or the three successfully. Um, so he's he's fairly flexible. He's not a good defender, but that's not what you're asking him to do. You're just asking him to go out there and score. And along with Ricky Rubio, I think that's going to be a great combo, and they'll open up the floor for each other. Um, I think the one thing they lack on their roster from a uh, from their bench perspective is that defense, but. I mean, because you got a guy like Kevin Love, who's older. I mean, you know, he probably can, but he doesn't play defense. Uh, Seti Osman, Ricky Rubio, Karis Levert, these aren't guys who play much defense. But that's what you have Jared Allen, Evan Mobley for. And I don't think they're ever going to take both of them out at the same time. I think this is a team that we're always going to see one of them or both of them on the floor. I mean, yeah, that's the thing about this team. You mentioned Kevin Love's age, and he's 33, which – Yes, that seems bad, but people forget that he had he was a six man of the year candidate last year. He was incredibly good on that Cavs team that was doing really well until they sort of got stifled by injury. And the beauty about this team right here is that everybody else is so young. Evan Mobley was drafted last year. So he's only 21 years old. Jared Allen, he's um Oh, wait, Probably on. 24, maybe, is my yeah. guess. Let me look it up. I, I was, like, about to pull it up, but then something else came up. I got to add. 20, he's 24. And then uh, Darius yeah, Garland, I was right. similarly, he's not very old either. He's only uh, 22. 22. So this yeah. team is going to be playing big minutes. All the starters on this team are going to be allowed to, you know, play 30-plus minutes a game. And there's no issues about that. So, yeah, I agree with you. I would have loved to ha- have like another defensive anchor come off the bench. But, you know, when you have Mobley and Levert or sorry, Mobley and Jarrett Allen, like there's plenty of defense to go around. And so I'm excited to see what kind of lineups they roll out. Um, and, and one guy I really want to talk about, and I, I'm curious if you can tell me a little bit about it, um, is Ricky Rubio, because we all know that he was having a tremendous season last year before he got hurt and was out for the season. Yeah, yeah. So Ricky Rubio, I um I wouldn't say a fan of Ricky Rubio. Like I'm not like I don't intently watch him, but I, I do like his game. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the few true point guards left in the NBA. And what I mean by that is he's really a pass first, um, best play kind of guy. Um I'd say like as far as like the only true point guards left in the NBA, like among that conversation, I'd put like Chris Paul. I'm not saying they're the same caliber of player. Don't get that mixed up, uh, people listening to the pod. But like a Chris Paul, LeBron James, um, like those are the guys I'd put in that like true point guard conversation. And I think Rubio comes from the same school of thought. Um, so, what, so, so what you're saying is that the the best point guards in the NBA are Chris Paul, LeBron James, and <laughs> Rubio. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. No, but I see what you're saying. Even though we argue about this. For, for those listening, me and Hunter argue about this all the time, about, like, what a quote-unquote true point guard means. Hunter is kind of right with this. Like, Ricky Rubio is a guy who's always going to want to dish the ball first before scoring. Yeah, and, Rondo is in that same school as well. Yep. There's, and like, Rondo some guys guy are in the same school. On this team. Rondo was a guy who was on this mm-hmm. cast team. Yeah. Um, 
and I I, th- I just like enjoy Ricky Rubio watching his game. I think he's going to be a, a good mentor f- uh, for both uh, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. I think he's already been there for Darius Garland. And I think we've seen that development and that growth from Darius Garland as a playmaker. And I, I wouldn't say that's that's not because of Ricky Rubio, but I'm sure Ricky Rubio helped in that department for him. Um, and I'm sure he could help also with Donovan Mitchell. Um, and it's crazy to think that Donovan Mitchell can only grow as a player and has more opportunity now than he has ever had before. Um, so I, I do like Ricky Rubio and Ke- Ricky Rubio and Kevin, Kevin Love are kind of go together. Like they're both going to be mentors and just anchors for this team uh, from a perspective of knowing like long seasons, finals, playoffs, whatever it may be. Uh, and I think Kevin Love can be that for, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And although he was never the player th- that they were physically or defensively, he really is just uh, a very knowledgeable and high IQ basketball player. Uh, yeah, I-, I totally agree with that. And I want to just give some more credit. Uh, I know we were giving credit already, but like just to the Cavs front office for how successfully they pulled off this rebuild and how smart they were in making some of these moves. The Cavs did not rush a Kevin Love deal last year when they very well could have to get some more picks or to get another young player. They like knew that they were going to be good. They knew that they were going to be able to, you know, make an opportunity later down the line to bring in a star player. They knew they had the assets to do that. So they held on to Kevin Love and knew he would be an integral part of this team. They brought in guys like Karis LeVert. They made those moves around the edges, like bringing in Rick Rubio, um, holding on to Chetty Osman as just a solid wing to have alongside those big moves that you already mentioned. And now they were able to land a star player in Donovan Mitchell. And it's, it's very rare, not very rare, but it's very infrequent that, you know, a small market is able to land a huge star like Donovan Mitchell on their team, especially when another big market like New York was, was battling for him. And I guess we could mention New York for a second, just talk about what this means for them. But I just want to give credit to the Cavs and I'm excited for the fans in Cleveland because this team is going to be fun and they're immediately a championship contender in my book. Yeah. uh, You have to put them in that conversation because you just, they have so much talent on this roster, but going to New York for a second, uh, they did offer, I believe it was something like five picks, OB Toppin and. They even offered RJ Barrett. I'm pulling up the uh, the offer right now, but I'm pretty uh... sure. I don't think they offered RJ or they extended RJ. They didn't offer RJ. Um, well, they extended him after. Uh, yeah. So here we go. New York offered Utah Donovan Mitchell package, including RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, and three unprotected firsts. Yeah. The Knicks are just taking L's. They just, because I think you could argue that that's a better package than uh, the one that they got from the Cavs. But, you, you know, it's uh, maybe New York just didn't want to deal or maybe the Cavs. Oh, my God, not the Cavs. Maybe the Jazz just didn't want to deal with New York. OK, but like, let's talk about this from the Jazz's perspective, because we, we're going to start talking about them soon and what this trade means for them, because obviously they're retooling their entire roster. But what, on paper, just immediately, you sort of touched on it a little bit. What is a better package R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, three first-round picks, or Colin Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, Oche Abdi, and three firsts? Well, I think you have to look at from this perspective. I think they're really, really trying to go for uh, 
I always pronounce it wrong. Then the web. How do you have the guy? Wenbenyana. Wenbenyana. Okay, that's how you pronounce it. Wenbenyana. So I think they're really going for him, um, which means maybe they don't want RJ Barrett because RJ Barrett might bring him some wins if he grows as a player. I mean, there's the argument to be made with that. And with you get, you know, five picks instead of three, if you're really building for the future, not this year. I mean, they're really trying to to not win this year. It's very clear that their objective is to um, get Webinyana. Um, So then you have to look at the players. I mean, Colin Sexton, Lurie Markin, and, and Ochoa Abaji looked really good in Summer League. That's not really a, a telltale sign of anything, but Ochoa Abaji did look great in Summer League. Um, Colin Sexton is a better player than people make him out to be. People often underrate him. Um, and I feel like Obi Toppin has, I wouldn't call him like a bust, but he's definitely not going to amount to much. And Mitchell Robinson has, is kind of just going to be doing the same thing every year at this point. I don't think he's going to grow a ton. Um, then it's just those three first. So I think the difference is those five five picks as opposed to three is what really set it over the edge for them. Yeah, and I think also like speaking on that a little bit, I think that the Jazz might be a big on Colin Sexton. They might see a lot of potential in him. Let's not forget this guy was averaging almost 25 points per game in 2021. Uh, and then obviously he's been dealing with injuries and just a whole slew of issues that like have kept him off the court since then. But, you know, when he was healthy, he was playing. This guy was averaging 25 points per game. And I think I, I read somewhere that like his numbers were on were actually better than Donovan Mitchell's in their third year in the league. So, you know, we could actually be. Looking- oh, Rafa, you're you're really high on Colin Sexton today, huh? Well, I know. Yo, relax, relax. Okay, I'm just saying from a the Jazz's perspective, this is a a point of view you can't take. This is not necessarily my views on Colin Sexton as a player. It's very interesting because a few days ago, Rafa and I were talking about this, and I, I was telling him that I I was very high on Colin Sexton as a player, and I think people often underrate him. And Rafa was really just absolutely shitting on on colin sexton as a player i was like whoa where's this animosity okay, coming look, from i did okay that's that's a strong word and you know this is a family program so let's refrain from the uh, expletives <laughs> but uh I, i'm just saying i personally i have my reservations about colin sexton as a player and his future in this league and like if he was if i was going to be the jazz i might have taken that new york package instead but i understand the deal from the jazz's from the jazz's camp you know because yes we we've talked about sexton and i think you know that's sort of a conversation that's been had but moving on to a guy like laurie marketing i think you hit the nail on the head he's a guy who doesn't get enough credit for being a solid nba player who does have room to grow you know he first was playing in chicago and then when he came to and, and he didn't look great in chicago if everyone's being real he was a little disappointing he went to cleveland immediately stepped up his game, looked way better. You know, he was that power forward stretch four that you want in, in the modern NBA. And now he's going to be in this jazz team where he's going to have all the room in the world to grow as a player. So as a sort of project, if you will, I really like Laurie marketing in this deal. And yeah, I like Oche too. Um, I think that I only saw him in limited spurts last year, but I remember from college, he's a very talented big man. And I think he plays the fundamentals really well. And I'm just excited to see what he can do given a prominent role in this jazz team. 
So yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about this new Jazz roster. What we're looking at. Yeah. Um. What do you think of this? Isn't in any particular order because I honestly have no clue what their starting five is going to be. But you're going to have Colin Sexton, Tht, Abaji, uh, Markinen, Jared Vanderbilt, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Leandro Bulmaro, Stanley Johnson. So I'd say that's probably the main core. Uh, if I'm missing anyone such as Johnny Juzang, uh, let me know. Yeah, you're missing Johnny Juzang. But okay. to, be fair, to, to be fair to you, he is on a two-way contract, so you know, <laughs> it's not entirely set in stone whether yeah. he'll get a lot of time. But So, and this this also, keep in mind, is assuming that they move um, some other guys that they currently hold, including Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, and Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, uh, we'll touch on that in a sec. But mm-hmm. talking about this Jazz roster right now, um, you know, off those names that you read, this is a team that is built to not win, as you were saying. <laughs> you know, I think the Jazz, like we're seeing videos of Victor Wembanyama and just like how this guy is the best prospect since LeBron James, and they're big on him. And so I think they want to do everything in their power to be able to get him. They're they're they've been stacking up on first round picks. They've built a roster that is not going to be winning many games, and so they're going to be in probably the best position to land that number one overall pick with this I, I think they've still done a good job of making it interesting for jazz fans because there's still players in this team where you can have hope or be interested a lot of projects a lot of still interesting uh in fun play that can happen through this team i feel like yeah colin sexton can be an exciting player marketing could be an interesting uh guy to watch tht has def- is definitely a highlight kind of guy uh agbaji can grow I want to say one thing about THT. We've seen this trend of Lakers players, you know, young players. They're put in a big position because they're playing alongside LeBron. It's a win for win now type of team. And, you know, a lot of players can't really cope with that pressure. Their game struggles. The fans are ruthless under the brightest lights. And when they leave to go to a smaller market, they really thrive and flourish as players. Look at guys like. But Lund- I think it's also not just. Yeah. I think it's not just the pressure. I think also part of it is when you play with LeBron. There's certain things that have to be in your game just because of the type of player players LeBron needs around him, and if you don't necessarily complement that, uh, LeBron's team is going to try to force you into a role that you aren't necessarily meant for. And I think THT is going to blossom in a different role than he could have on the Lakers. That is true, but I, I think. I think that is very true. Like you need to be a, a solid catch and shoot kind of guy uh, in order to thrive alongside LeBron. But then look at a guy like Lonzo Ball, right? He, he goes from having a shaky shot, one that like has a very unorthodox form to being one of the best shooters by percentage in the NBA last year. So yeah, I mean, look at Kuzma averaging like 17 and eight. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually like no joke. I actually am excited to see how THC does on this team. I really hope that he does well and he th- and uh, you know he's able to thrive, given a bigger role and and t- having that pressure taken off. But also, there's guys here that I'm just excited to see play alongside each other. I I, I like Nikhil Alexander Walker when he was on the Pelicans. I always thought he was kind of an underrated guy, and so I'm excited to see him. Obviously, Con Sexton is going to be the guy on this team. He's going to be the highlight reel. He's going to make the Jazz fans want to come watch night in night out. Um. And then there's more like guys who are going to be there for the long run. Like I think Jared Vanderbilt, he's a three and D kind of guy that you're going to want on a championship team, but isn't really going to do much for you right now. But as a whole hundred, do you think this team is winning more than 22 games? 
I said this game team was winning like 15 games. So you think under 22? Uh, yes. Oh, interesting, interesting. I actually, I'm probably going to agree. I probably would agree with you there. I'm, I'm, I was trying to look up really quick what the actual um, betting odds are. odds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for like over under for wins, but doesn't seem like I'm going to be able to, to find that. But before next episode, I will look into that because I, I think it would be interesting. Um, but yeah, this team is not going to win a lot. But before we, we, we move on from this whole Donovan Mitchell topic, there's one last thing we forgot to mention, and that's you – know, we did briefly mention it. It's like there's still veterans on this team. Mike Conley, Bojan Bogdanovic, um, Jordan Clarkson. We've already seen the Jazz ship out Pat Bev to L.A., which is how they got THT and Stanley Johnson. But now the big question is, like, what are they going to do about these other vets? So, Hunter, do you think that the Jazz are going to move these guys and – Potentially, do you know where and what should the the Jazz be looking to get back for these pieces? Yeah, I definitely think they're going to be moving these guys just because they don't want to win. I mean, it's very clear. Mike Conley is a winning player. Um, Bogdanovich is also a winning player. Clarkson isn't necessarily a winning player, but he's just an asset that you're not really going to be able to play because you're trying to develop guys and that he's going to get frustrated in the situation. So it's just better to get assets for all three of them. And by the way, I looked it up. It's uh, 32 and a half right now for the Jazz. Uh, 32 and a half games? One? Mm-hmm. No way, really? Yeah. This is uh, as of September 1st. Who do they three think? Three days ago. Do, who do they think is on this team? Do they still think Donovan Mitchell is on this, the, the team? Like This is as of three days ago, so Donovan Mitchell had already been traded. Um, well, if you want to make but, some money, you know where to I go. think I think this is going to be in two trades. So I think most likely it'll be Mike Conley and Bogdanovich packaged together and Clarkson separate um, just because of the roles they play. Um, age is a factor in that. Um, I think it might be easier. Or you could do Bogdanovich and Clarkson together as the package and Mike Conley by himself. I think either one of those two salary-wise makes more sense. Sure. Um, do you know any so, destinations? Like what teams could use guys like this? Um, what teams could use guys like this? The Lakers. What teams could the Lakers re- realistically get these guys? No. <laughs> um, so Lakers are not in that conversation, although they could use them. Um I really have to think of destinations for a guy like Mike Conley, I think is the, is the hardest one to, to fit. Cause I feel like at this point, teams have really developed what they want um, in their core. I thought um, of something. Uh, what do you think about potentially Boyan Bogdanovich to the Bucks? I mean, I, the reason why I thought of this is um, obviously last year, they were trying to get Bog, Bogdan Bogdanovich, but they're kind of the same player, you know, that, that very efficient three point shooting wing player. I think that they, he could fit right in with in with in with myth in with Milwaukee. Sorry, that was tough to say. What, what do you think that they'd want to get back? Two picks, maybe, or a pick and a, pick, uh, maybe a project player. I think that honestly, the Jazz are not going to be looking for much for these guys. They're just looking to get them off the roster, get a pick, maybe a. a project I think they back. might be looking for something for Mike Conley. I feel like Mike Conley is a very valuable asset. Maybe not so much. Bogdanovich and Clarkson, I think you could get maybe a pick in the second or a pink in the project for each of them. Uh, but what about, Mike Conley you could probably get two picks. What about Mike Conley to the Hawks? Because right now, the you know, mm, I don't know how I like that. Mm, I don't think I don't think that makes much sense. Just because Mike Conley is a starting level player. 
you think and at this you, point he's still a starter? Because I'm thinking yes, about absolutely. a point guard. No, Mike Conley's a starter. He's definitely a starter. And I'd honestly say um, maybe uh, the Denver might be an interesting fit for him. Instead of Jamal Murray, like alongside him. Alongside, one, two. KCP I mean, at the three. But you already have MPJ Michael. at the four. And, and then Jokic at the five. Off the bench? Yeah. You would bring Aaron Gordon off the bench? Yes. Interesting. I think I think this Denver roster is set. I think Mike Conley, if anything, is going to be a backup guard right now. Or he might get shipped off to a team like, I don't know, Indiana maybe. Who are they running? Because they don't have Brogdon anymore, right? Yeah, or, or he could end up on the team like the Kings. That might be... But potentially, I mean, they, honestly, I think that a lot of these teams are going to have to do a lot of figuring out right now what they want, and I think it's he could be, end up in Dallas. Dallas might be a. I don't like that fit. Honestly, I'm not too big on Mike Conley as a player. I think the I see him as a backup guard in this league. I think there's too much young talent, especially at the guard position, for him to be a starter as like a, as a point guard. And I would not trust a team that it has a Mike. Mike Conley run offense in 2023, but why? Because what happened in 2022 in the playoffs? Not even just like Mike Conley is not the player he used to be, and in and in Utah, he's been kind of a shell of the player he was in Memphis. And so I'm not crazy about Mike Conley, but he definitely still deserves a role in this league as a backup guard, in my opinion. However, Bogdanovich and Clarkson can be very good rotational pieces uh on any team i think the thing with like clarkson is like you can literally plug and play him into pretty much any team i think he'll he'll find his role because he's a guy who just creates instant offense off the bench and i think both bogdanovich and clarkson and they could honestly go to any team and be successful so i don't i think those have those guys have wider markets but i think mike conley is very particular and it would only be very few teams in the league that need a guy like that and funny enough, it actually, like, the Lakers are genuinely one of them because at the guard position, the Lakers would do whatever it takes to ship out Westbrook. And But the money wouldn't work, and there's no way in hell that the Jazz want uh, Russell Westbrook back because when Russell Westbrook goes to crap teams, he somehow gets them to the playoffs. That That's is what true. he does. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I honestly think if Russell Westbrook were to be playing on this Jazz roster – he could somehow find a way to get them to the play-in and they wouldn't be in contention for the number one overall pick. I think Westbrook's not that guy anymore. And I think, I think he is. I, I think we saw him go to the Lakers. We, we, we saw him just a year and a half ago on the Wizards doing his thing. I thought, on the Wizards. He, came, no. he, he took the Lakers to the... No, uh, no, no. I was What I was saying is we saw him doing his thing on the Wizards and still was that guy. Comes to the Lakers. Is the same guy he was before, but he's in a bigger light. His mistakes are more prominent, and he just um, can't fit right alongside LeBron. That team is plagued with injury, and if we see him move on past that, I absolutely think he's going to be the same player he was in Washington. And now everybody's going to go, oh my god, Russell Westbrook is this good again. It's like, no, he's always been the same player. He's never changed. Okay, you make a valid point. The, he still deserves uh, – yeah, no, that is very fair. And I'm not. I, I'm still don't call Russell Westbrook a bad player. People heavily underrate Russell Westbrook to this day. And even if he were on the Lakers, I still think he'd be better than people make him out to be. Regardless, I think if he you were to put him on this team, I think that they could possibly be a playing team. They definitely wouldn't be the worst team in the league. And I think that if you put Mike Conley on this team, 
they could still be that. Yeah, that is fair. So I guess maybe there is a world I see where Mike Conley stays in the team uh, and maybe plays like comes off the bench and just fills up minutes. But, you know, Bogdanovich and Clarkson, I'm almost certain they're out of there. Mm, I agree. But with that, I think we've pretty much touched on every every angle of the Donovan Mitchell trade. Really exciting to see like a big trade happen. I, I was waiting for something to happen the whole summer, you know. We were like talking about the, all these rumors, talking about like all these teams potentially interested, the Wizards, and finally something happened, which is nice. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous how uh, late everything is happening this offseason. I know, it's crazy. But at least we finally got some dominoes falling. And another part, like sort of a byproduct of that uh, Donovan Mitchell trader, I guess a precursor almost, was uh, Patrick Beverly, who got moved to L.A. for THT and Stanley Johnson. So we just talked about Russ a little bit. We know that there's history between Russ and Patrick Beverly. So assuming Russell Westbrook stays in the Lakers, which is sort of what the front office and coaching staff has been implying is going to happen, how do you think those two players are going to work together? And do you like this move? Uh, Patrick Beverly, I think, is a step in the right direction for Lakers, considering that THT was not going to be super productive. And it was looking like he was on the downturn, like away from the main rotation. And Stanley Johnson definitely was a rotation player. Um, Patrick Beverly fits the timeline better for Lakers. Well, I hate, I absolutely hate to root for this player. I'm sure I'm going to love seeing him on the Lakers and what he's going to be providing <laughs> in the court. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, he's the kind of guy that you love to hate when he's not on your team and you, you just love him when he is on your team because he's going to bring everything every day. Yep. And I think something that's great about him that we really lacked last year was just the motivation and the drive to be his best every single game and to provide meaning to every single regular season game, which is something that the Lakers have not had for a long time. And I think he's going to, like he said uh, on the Stephen A. Smith show, that he's going to hold LeBron and other guys accountable for things, um, you know, that like they should be held accountable for. And the Lakers were missing that last year. I mean, Rondo was that guy two years ago, but you know, the Lakers don't have a guy who's going to speak to LeBron like sometimes he needs to be spoken to. And Pat Bev isn't afraid to be that guy. Uh, yeah, so that's I, really I good. See him speak and be like very candid and blunt with Anthony Davis. Because I think AD is a guy who I feel like in his circle, this is just me assuming, I have no idea about this, but I feel like AD has a lot of yes men and a lot of people who tell him exactly what he wants to hear especially now that he's in LA and he's sort of made it big time. He's a champion, all that. So when AD plays softer, you know, he has a bad game, you know, maybe he's, you know, not, not very diligent with his training. And then he comes out looking soft, playing weak, all that, you know, his circle doesn't really press him. The team doesn't really hold him accountable, but Patrick Beverly is a guy who will get in your face and tell you, you need to be better. You need to play better. That was soft. That was weak, you know, and that's a guy who, Every team wants a guy like that. Yeah, exactly like you were saying. You ha- And you hate to watch him, but when he's on your team, you love him because he hypes up your guys. He gets in the other team's face. He is sort of the lifeblood of your team in a certain sense. Um, every team that he's on is almost defined by him in, a, in, in some kind of way. Like he brought a sort of chippiness to the Timberwolves last year that they didn't have since maybe Jimmy Butler. And that like turned them into a, a playoff team that was incredibly fun to watch. So I'm hoping he can do something similar with the Lakers. Now, back to the first part of the question, Hunter, we know that there's a lot of history and ugly history between 
Pat and Ruff, uh, or yeah, Pat Bev and Ruff. Pat and Russ. Yeah. I, sorry, I was just like, I, I never really call yeah. Russ Pat, you know, like that sounds kind of weird. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of history between Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook. And that like they've gone at each other back and forth for years. So how is it going to work now that they're on the same team together? Look, Pat, I'm just going to call him Pat from now on because it's weird. <laughs> he said that he, you know, he talked to Russ and that they're, they're good, you know, like just part of the business and they're ready to work together. So look, I think Russ is a guy who does hold grudges. I just think that's how he is. Like, you know, with KD, I'm sure I, I wouldn't be surprised if to this day, he still has a photo like of KD in his house, like in an OKC uniform, like burned, like, you know, ha- half of the photos burned up and he like, KD you, 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 know, you, you get the image of what I'm trying to say, like, or like he like draws a mustache on KD. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like I wouldn't be surprised if he still does that kind of stuff. But I think Russ is also a guy who's um very motivated, to win i do think he wants to be successful and put the past behind him in some ways and be like i just want want to be like respected and and do the right thing uh so i do think that the russ um, and, and pat Pav have made up and we'll see what that ends up looking like on the court if they end up playing together for the lakers which i really would be interested in seeing not necessarily would love to see but i would be interested to see what something like that would look like because neither of them are actually pat bev is a solid shooter now but uh yeah, i think Russ pat definitely bev is percentage wise is not the best shooter on the lakers that's horrible to think about. That's terrifying. <laughs> no, that's horrible. To oh, also, it. have have you heard that Austin Reeves is two hundred and ten pounds now? I did not hear that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't put it out of like reality. You know, that sounds like something that could happen. Yeah, I wanted to say uh, sidetracked. Sorry. No worries. No worries. I mean, we get sidetracked on Lakers talk all the time, <laughs> but I just did want to mention something about this deal. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, or sorry, I, I want to like give one little comment about beefs sort of being put on the same team together, especially on the Lakers. I, I think back to 2019 when, you know, they brought in LeBron and then also brought in a guy like Lance, Lance Stevenson, or even yep. Rondo, you know, Rondo and LeBron had some beef when Rondo was in Boston and uh, Ron was in Cleveland. So I think that, you know, Obviously, I don't think think those, you know, disputes are to the same extent, but I think that players are able to sort of put it past them and play together once, you know, some years are behind them and now they're finally on the same team together. So I am a fan of this move. I hope it's not the last move the Lakers make uh, because uh, as I've made explicitly clear, I'm not a Russ fan, but I think this is a great move. Yeah. All right. I have uh... – Another move that happened this offseason. It's a smaller move, but I think there's some stuff we can talk about out of the move. Markeith Morris signed a one-year deal with the Nets. He was a Laker for a little bit, and then he was on the was it the Heat or the Nuggets? Heat. No, I think it was the Heat by the Nuggets. Remember? Right. Yes. He he was on the Heat. Uh, He played all right there. You know, just solid role player. Nothing too crazy. Probably going to play like the equivalent minutes to maybe like T.J. Warren as a backup to him or something. Yeah, I think that, you know, uh, like, this is just the Nets filling out the roster, getting ready for the season to run it back with KD, Kyrie. Um, but I think the more interesting thing to talk about with this move is 
it's not really about Marquise himself because yeah, he's he's a serviceable NBA player. Um, but I think you know we want we should talk about some of the other NBA free agents that still haven't been signed because there's a lot of notable ones that you'd be like, huh, he's not on the team yet. Um, which is what I did when we were researching for this segment. So let me just go through some of these names and uh, actually let me go through each name and you tell me if they should be on a team or it's deserved that they're not signed yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Carmelo Anthony. To me, this is honestly the hardest one because it's like, I feel like he should be on the NBA team, not just because of his name, but because he put up good production for the Lakers. But at the same time, I understand why he's not in the league because there, there's so many young guys coming in and that's like, where's the spot for him? So that, that, that's the hardest one for me, but I, I can't really make a decision on that. The other ones I can, are pretty easy for me to do. Okay. Montre- I don't know, how do you feel about that one personally okay. before uh, Carmelo? Yeah, yeah. For me, I think Carmelo still deserves a spot. I think a lot of teams could use him as just a pure scorer. You know, like he's a worse Jordan Clarkson. He's a worse, like, just prototypical guy come off the bench, light it up, score, you know, kind of, he's obviously, he's in the same role as like, you know, um, you're a Jamal cross or Jamal uh, Crawford at this point in his career, you know? And I think that a lot of teams could just use that. And also a guy who's like a veteran, man, he's been around the block. He, he can help lead your team, provide Jamal a lot. Jamal Crawford was a lot better than Melo at this point in his career, man. I'm just saying they played the same role, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just that uh, sort of, but, I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm trying to get at. But mm. I think he should still be in the league. Some of the other guys on this list I'm not so sure about. But let's actually keep it moving. What do you think about Montrez Harrell? Man, the thing is he's very undersized for his position. He's definitely a locker room presence, and he's a hype man. But he deserves to be in the league. This is a guy who, at his peak, was sixth man of the year, averaging a – basically 20 and 10, and he can provide that on any given night. Um, to me, he definitely deserves an NBA spot. There's some big men out there who you could put question marks over their names, but Montrose Harrell, he does not provide defense, but he's going to provide a ton on offense. Honestly, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that whereas Carmelo Anthony, it was immediately clear how you can fit him into a team. You know, you literally just drop him onto a team, play him off the bench as a score, and that's all it is. For Montrez, it's a lot more complicated because he's a very, you know, different NBA player. He doesn't play in the modern NBA almost. Like, he's a 6'9 center. He is very athletic, doesn't really play defense, and has an unusual game. But he can be very effective, as you said. Like, he was a sixth man of the year. He was very good in the Clippers and had moments on the Lakers, too, and had moments last year in Washington. So I think that, you know, he does deserve a spot. Uh, in the league I don't know what team would want him but you know honestly my new default team that like any NBA player could go to is like Indiana because I just I'm like there's probably a spot for him there you know or Utah it could be Utah now or the Spurs yeah like just one of those teams send them there you know yeah he's a harder fit for sure than Melo is but there's definitely a spot for him out there somewhere uh, the yeah. next one is Dennis Schroeder, the guy who turned down $120 million. Yeah, you don't have to remind him about that. But, no, 100%, Dennis Schroeder should be on a team. As a backup point guard, he is solid. He's uh, He can help facilitate your offense. He can shoot the three. He can shoot the mid-range. He can finish. He's a good defender. Like, he's just a good all-around player. 
there's not a lot of faults to his game. Um, I think that people have sort of clowned on him and, and honestly underrated him a little bit because of that whole fiasco with the extension and the Lakers and all of that. But he is a good player. Like he's a good backup. And I think that he deserves a spot in an NBA team. Yeah, what do you say to those people who say that he had his opportunity in Boston and then as soon as he was off the roster, they blossomed into the team they became? I mean, I think that's just a matter of him not really being able to find his role. Like, that's a team where it, you don't really need a point, a good point guard on that team because everybody but the point guard is bringing up the ball. You know, you got, like, Jason Tatum. You got Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart bringing up the ball. None of those guys are really point guards. I mean, you can make the case Marcus Smart is, but – I think he's more of a two. Um, and Malcolm Brogdon this year, I don't expect him to be as good as he was in Indiana. I think that he's going to be, you know, good still, but like not the same player. So I think it's the same thing with Dennis Schroeder. And I think that a team gives him a chance. They need a backup point guard who's dependable, reliable. I think that Dennis Schroeder is that guy. But yeah, I agree. Speaking oh. of guys, I, I want to get your, this guy is controversial. I want to get your opinion. Hassan Whiteside. I don't really think he has a spot in the NBA anymore. I mean, he's a good defender, but I think at this point, it's just better to bring in the young talent than to bring in like a guy like Hassan. I think there's you can give guys opportunity who can do the same thing Hassan can do, who are a little bit younger, a little bit more athletic. And he served his time in the league well, but he's a guy who's been plagued by injury through his career. Um, and a lot of teams just don't necessarily want to take that on when they think they can take somebody younger. Yeah, and I, I think Hassan Whiteside is in my like I know I'm, I'm coming out with all these like overrated, underrated, but he is definitely overrated as a defender. He gets all the highlights, he gets the stats, he gets all the blocks, but he plays for blocks exclusively. Like he will compromise your whole defense to go for a block, and that is just not something that is good for a winning team. So I agree with you. I don't think he should be in the league. Go get your like average or triple double with blocks in China or something, man. Like go get your bag over there and uh shanghai sharks enjoy it man but uh go play with uh isaiah thomas you know you guys <laughs> see him but yeah, well, what do you think about boogie he's he's another guy who's a little tough boogie's interesting because i feel like we we saw him on the clippers and honestly i liked what i saw from him on the clippers i think the big reservation for him is not from a basketball standpoint but from a health standpoint i think that Teams are not willing to take him on the roster but because you have to give him a role if you're going to sign him. And then you just don't know if he's going to play. This is a guy who barely can stay healthy. I don't think I've, I've seen – I think I've seen him on the court like five times in the past three years. That probably is not even an exaggeration. Like he just can't stay healthy to save his life. So I want to see him in the league, but I think teams are just scared because of the health thing. Yeah, he's one of those guys, I think, as well. I'm agree he shouldn't be in the league, even though I want to see him there. He's just one of those NBA tragic stories where it's like he was that guy, and then he just got plagued and plagued and plagued. Um, do I think that he's talented enough to play in the league and like can stay healthy? I don't. I mean, I just don't think that combination of things stands up to maybe a younger guy who can also shoot a little bit who's about the same size because Boogie isn't providing as much on defense as he used to. So that's tough. Yeah. It's just I hate, I, I hate to, I hate to say that Boogie shouldn't be in the league, but I think his time has passed. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm gonna I still have hope for maybe one more team one more season but yeah it, it might be it for him which is unfortunate to say what about a guy like Jeremy Lamb Jeremy Lamb definitely has a place in the same way that Dennis Schroeder does. This is a backup point guard. Uh, I He can be productive. I don't think he's as good as Dennis Schroeder, but I think he definitely is is solid. He is, a, he is just all around a good good point guard. Like He's has solid size. He's a solid defender. I just yeah, I can definitely see him on the team somewhere. I mean, he could be on a good team, honestly. He, he could be Honestly, I could see the Lakers needing a guy like him. Yeah, I mean, I think this is more of a team like – I think he's going to be more of like a mid-season acquisition, you know, a team need to bring in another wing, bring in Jeremy Lamb. Because I, I think he's more of a wing than a point guard, in my opinion. He's like 6'5". He plays a two, plays a three. Um, and, yeah, I think, like, he's solid, but not like a, a, a guy that you're just, like, dying to sign. He's going to be available. But I fully expect him to, to see him in the league – uh, for, for him to see him in some jersey this year. Mm-hmm. Sam, what about this next guy, Tristan Thompson? No, I think he's done, man. I think it's over. Like, I think that Tristan Thompson, like, he's just not worth the effort, man. Like, he's a kind of like Montrez if he was not as talented or, like, good. Um, <laughs> he, he's undersized for a center. He's 6'9". Um, he's just not really good anymore. Like, he doesn't do anything exceptionally well. He brings a lot of off-the-court drama with him just because of his relationship with the Kardashians. Like, I, I, I don't think that's, like, in a, a factor you can really, like, neglect. I think you, you do have to bring that yeah. up. And so I think it's just not worth the hassle, man. Like, there's way better players out there, way younger players. Like, you don't need Tristan Thompson on your team. So I think this is it, bro. Just go, like, go be on the Kardashians. Go hang out with them. Like, make your bag through reality TV. The league is – it's over, man. It's over. Yeah, Tristan Thompson, uh, he's just, like you were saying, like a worse Montrez. He's not nearly as athletic. I think, honestly, he has a lower basketball IQ. Um, yep. Yeah, just wor- just worse Montrez, and Montrez is t- fighting for a spot. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going And there, we got they, one more on the list. Save the best for last. I want – Iguodala, Andre Iguodala. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. I think he has a spot in the same way that Udonis Haslam has a spot. In the sense that he doesn't have a spot unless the Warriors want him. Like, if, if the Warriors want to give him an honorary position as a locker room and just a presence and a friend to the team, then, yeah, he has a spot. But otherwise, there's no team that's going to sign him. Yeah, Iguodala, he was, like, barely a player last year. Like, he didn't really touch the court that much. I mean, he did get some playoff minutes though, which is crazy. Like he was even playing in the finals, which is kind of insane to me, but yeah, I don't think like he's really that impactful of a player anymore. He's like pretty much used on as you said. Um, so yeah, I think if he retired, nobody would like be crying that much. I mean, he, he's like getting up there in age. How, how old is he? Probably like 36, right? So, yeah, maybe even older than that. He oh might my be... goodness, he's thirty-eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If he wants to retire, man. Donis Haslam's Donis Haslam's forty-two. That's crazy. Well, you know, if he retired, I don't think anybody would be that surprised. I think he had a great career, and if he hung it up, good on him. But yeah, I don't. Do you think, think anyone... he gets jersey retired in Philly or around the Warriors? No, no, no. I don't think so. 
maybe maybe the Warriors is a conversation just because he's been a big part of like at least three of those. And he and he was a Finals MVP. He was a Finals MVP. That does that that's a conversation we'll have if he ends up retiring. But mm. you know, as we've said, maybe he'll go to the Spurs or something. <laughs> He's definitely not going to this person as a coach. Maybe goes to the Jazz as like a starter. <laughs> Averages thirty points. Yeah, just turns his career around. But um, yeah, yeah, with that, I think that's a good place to call it. It's a great episode. A lot of stuff to talk about. Um, we're getting closer to the NBA season, man. Getting, we're getting closer. Almost there. Almost to media day. I'm excited. Hopefully, there's some drama at media day, so we got more to talk about. But regardless, we'll be here next week. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you then. Take care. Bye-bye. Peace.